Welcome to the Meet Musings podcast, the show where we talk about different issues and disabilities that affect people emotionally, psychologically, physically and mentally. We discuss health and well-being generally. We are amplifying the voices of people living with disabilities and limitations and breaking the stigmas. Our podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Amazon Podcast, Tune in in Alexa, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. We are also available on Listen Note, Radio Public and iHeartRadio. Just search Meet Musings Podcast on any social media platform. Welcome! Welcome to another episode of the Meet Musings Podcast. My guest today is Sindel Taylor. She is an Army veteran spouse, mother of two beautiful children. So, welcome to the Meet Musings Podcast, Sindel. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us more about you, who you are, what you do, things like that? Absolutely. First off, thank you so much for having me. Um, As you heard, my name is Sandell Taylor, and I actually live in the U.S., so I actually live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So if you guys are fans of American football, I am Ah. home of the... (laughs) Home of the Steelers, which is right now we are winning uh, um, oh. in, in, in that realm. So um, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we have a lot of different things about where we live that we're famous for. So it's pretty cool. I have two beautiful children. Um, my son is older. He is just turning. He just turned 13. And my daughter is going to be nine here um, coming up very shortly. And as you mentioned, I am an Army veteran spouse, so my husband was in the United States military. And throughout my daily life, I am a teacher. So by trade, I am a cosmetology instructor. I actually teach adult learners, which is amazing how to do hair, skin, and nail. And then by night, so to speak, I do a lot of different things. I'm a volunteer. I am an advocate for heart health disease. And I'm a pageant queen. So I do a, b- a bunch of different stuff that is kind of really all over the place, but I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You, I mean, you are everything rolled into one cosmetology, skin, you do skin, hair, and nails. You do volunteer with Heart Health. You're a pageant queen as well as a mother, which is a full-time job on itself. How amazing is that? How do you find that? How do you find everything? How do you combine everything? Honestly, it came really easy to combine everything into one. And I have to be thankful to, first off, God for allowing me to have these amazing, extraordinary abilities. And second off, my family and my husband, because without them, you know, I wouldn't be able to do everything. So for me, cosmetology kind of falls into pageantry. You have to learn how to do your own hair and makeup. So that's kind of one in one. And then volunteering, I actually got into volunteering. I've been involved since I was a little kid. So I find it really easy to find opportunities that I can take my family on, such as giving out free haircuts. That's one of the biggest things that I do. I'm actually working on starting my own nonprofit to continue that mission and provide free haircuts to not only veterans, first responders, but just people in need, such as homeless children and people that might be in the hospital for a long period of time. 
And it's been something I've been doing for over 10 years now, giving out free haircuts. And I've just been involved with the Heart Association for such a long time because my father had a heart attack and stroke when I was very young. And it really drew me into that knowing and learning and getting out there and educating other people so that another 17-year-old child didn't feel the way that I felt whenever my dad got sick. And so that's really kind of what started this mission for me and my message of getting out there and learning about heart health. Thank you for all that. And it's just so interesting that you all do all these and you go into heart health and you give out free hair cuts. That's for a non-profit uh, purpose, you see. So it's amazing to see things like these when, especially at a time like this, when there are so many people out there who just don't have anyone to care for them. So it's amazing what you are doing and it's so great, you know, it's so beautiful. So it only comes from beautiful hearts. I mean, people that put other people first, so to say, when you do something and you're volunteering your time. And I think you need the resources. You need to know how to be able to actually cut hair properly. <laughs> Otherwise, people will be running from you. <laughs> so it's just so nice to hear that you do that. So how have you found life as a veteran spouse? Yes, being a military spouse is definitely a challenge. My husband and I have been in a relationship for over 10 years, even though we've only been married for five. We were together on one of his deployments, and I definitely will say that that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. Not only was he away, but we also, at the time, our daughter had just been born. So my daughter was a newborn when he was uh, gone. And so what I found, I, I actually say it was fun. We actually kind of recorded each other, so to speak. So we would write love letters to each other. We would Skype each other. I would have, you know, my daughter like making things for him and calling him whenever we could. So it kind of brought us a little bit closer together. But what I love about being with someone in the military is that, and it sounds very strange, but it's very easy to navigate that style of life for me. So it's very efficient for me. We have something that we work towards every day. We kind of have calendars. It helps to keep me organized. He's a very organized person and he knows what he wants out of his life. And so for me, that, that just makes it a lot easier because that's also my personality. You know, I know what I want and I have a lot of things to do. So it just helps being correlated. And above all else, to give that sacrifice of fighting for your country, it just really makes me appreciate military even more coming from being a, a military child as well. My father also served in the military during Vietnam, and it just really makes me appreciate it that much more than I already have that much more work that they've done that much more sacrifice that they give to know that there are thousands of other men and women that are serving our country and away from their family away from their loved ones putting their lives on their line on, on the line to help our country is is really amazing when you think about it so it's definitely difficult but as I stated before I really think that it's made me such a better person. Oh, that's great. So how often did you get to see your husband when he was away? I mean, when he was serving in the military? 
honestly, it, it, I actually was very blessed. My husband was away on what we call like a lighter deployment. So it wasn't like an active war zone, which again, I'm grateful for something that was a little bit more, I call it like cringeworthy, like where you're biting your fingernails. So mm-hmm. I did get to talk with him more frequently, I'm, I'm sure, than some other spouses in, in other areas. But it was all about their internet or the reliability of connectivity. So we tried to send letters at least once a week and talk at least once a week. We did get to talk sometimes more frequently than that, but it really just depended on the internet around where he was if we were connecting through um, mobile. So those are like coping mechanisms for when it was a way you connected via the internet, you Skyped, you sent letters physically, like, I mean, written letters. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's interesting because a lot of people don't do that these days, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's actually something we wanted to do. Um, We didn't send many of those because it, it sometimes can be hard to, for them to receive. It takes some time. And then, like I said, we just did activities. And one of my favorite things, it's so cheesy, but I have a, a body pillow, which is a long pillow. Um, <laughs> I'm sure most people know these. And I bought it and it was camouflage. It's a camouflage body pillow. So I bought that when he was deployed just so that I could have something <laughs> in the bed next to me. Um, that reminded me of him. And it sounds so cheesy, but it, it really did help. And just surrounding myself with like photos of him looking at different things that we had done, it it really helped. And then the day he came home, I'll never forget my son had made this sign. And we were like standing in there. And this was the first time he had seen his daughter since she was four months old. So mind you, she was walking now, and all this stuff. And you could just see this tall, big man, like, kind of (laughs) break down and pick up this little tiny baby and just the the smile on his face priceless and one of the moments I'll never forget and just to be able to hug him in person when he came home again like I said I can't even begin to describe it in words but it it was amazing oh that's so nice I'm 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 kind of imagining the picture of him coming home and you running up to him, uh, him getting, you know, all that. I mean, it's so amazing to think of that reunion, kind of really beautiful. And, you know, one of my best movies is Pearl Abo. Have you seen that? Pearl Abo? No, I've, I've heard of it. and I've Oh, seen my God. If you've not seen it, are you are a veteran spouse? I'm, I'm going to have to watch it now. I've oh, seen my God. I've probably I've seen, seen yeah. that like 10 times. I've seen bits and pieces, but never the whole thing. And you're like <laughs> the second or third person who's mentioned it. So I'm definitely, I'm going to have to r- watch that um, you have today. To. Like you I'm going to have to watch it today. <laughs> oh, it's so, it's, it's, it's an amazing film. I know it's sad in some bits, but I think the ending of it makes me do what, why, you know, I'm, I'm always in tears when I watch it. It's like, oh my God, how do people cough like this? I can't do this, you know? I just think it's amazing when people are able to leave their spouses for a while and not knowing when you see them again, you know? That's, that feeling is kind of... Scares the life out of me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but like I said, 
I, I, I did feel very lucky in our time. And like I said, it just, I believe that it makes us stronger and, and a stronger couple, you know, and again, like I said, I'm just grateful that he came home and he's safe and he's just really an amazing man, to be honest. So happy for you. So tell us about your life before you met him. How did you meet him? Okay, so this is actually another funny story. So I had actually met him, and he'll, he tells the story better, about a few years before we started dating. And we actually had met at, at uh, like a nightclub or like a bar. And we were introduced to each other, but I was introduced to his brother at the time. <laughs> I actually don't remember this, this day. So this had happened. It was like one night. So then a few years later, I had saw him come in to a different nightclub, which was about like an hour away from this original one in the city. It was closer to like the city of Pittsburgh, which is a pretty big city. And him and his friends from his army unit had come in in uniform. And I had gone up and talked with them to see, you know, if they needed anything. And Right off the bat, like his friends and I had gotten along. So few, a few times after he came in, one of his friends came in wearing this Wisconsin cheese hat. So again, it's a football thing. It's this big, giant cheese hat. You wear like a foam cheese hat. And his friend was really short. And I remember from, you know, being in the bar industry, you know, we always wear heels. So ladies have to wear heels all the time. And <laughs> I was a lot taller than him, so much so that I could put my arm on the top of his head on this <laughs> cheese hat. And he looked up to me and he said, I'm really intimidating in my shoes. And so I looked over to what is now my husband and I was like, am I intimidating to you? And he was like, no. And so we just kind of hit it off right then and there. And, you know, we had gone on a, a couple uh, dates. We went to one of our amusement parks here, which is Kennywood. It's, it's famous. And, you know, we had gone on a few motorcycle rides and then kind of the rest was history, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the first or second meeting, you know, we had talked for a little bit and we just kind of got to know, know each other. And then we started dating and we had been together, like I said, for about five years before we got married. And then we got married in uh, 2015, I'm thinking now, <laughs> uh, and we've been <laughs> married since then. I, I just really can't see my life without him. I've spent now a decade with him. You know, when you think about that and we're both still pretty young, that's really amazing. And like I said, he's really just made me a better person. Um, he's really helped me to know what I want in my life and go after it and be very supportive of not only myself, but my son who came from a previous relationship. And again, reminded me of what we were worth, so to speak. So. It's really cheesy, but I really got my knight in camo armor, so to speak. And I always call him that because, you know, <laughs> I have this, it's not a fairy tale life, but it, it definitely was a fairy tale ending, so to speak. Oh, I'm so happy you have a fairy tale wedding and everything. And you've got, I mean, you, your life seems to be so perfect right now. But you did mention you have a son from a previous relationship. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Do, do you want to talk about that relationship or is there something that was difficult? Like, if it's too difficult, don't worry. Sure. Um, um, and no, it's actually, I've been able to speak about this a few times. So I um, had a son when I was very young. I was 19 and we were not married at the time. And I was in this 
a relationship with a, you know, obviously a different man and unfortunately didn't end very well. During my relationship, I had learned that he was addicted to opioids and I had had some suspicions, but I was never able to initially kind of find out, so to speak, or to know for sure until the night that I am a lost in my life. So the opioids eventually made him very abusive, very angry, very different. And one night I was sitting there with my son. He was a newborn and he ran down the stairs and tried to physically assault me. He choked me. He had poured beer in my eyes. And then he actually picked me up and put me up against the wall so hard that the wall actually started cracking and I started to go through the wall. And I, I left. And again, I always say that looking back at it, I'm very grateful for that moment because I left that very night with my son and I went to make sure that I was safe and my son was safe. And it ends up turning out that, you know, his father was able to get the help that he needed. And he has been now sober for about three, three years. And he's back involved in my son's life. Like I said, I'm grateful for the outcome. And again, it made me a different person. It made me realize things that I didn't know before. It made me aware of more uh, mental health signs and, and symptoms. It made me more aware of opioid use and how you can help someone in that situation. And again, like I said, I really believe that every journey allows you to grow as a person. And again, I can't be more grateful to God that, you know, he allowed me the opportunity to have my child reconnect with their father and in a way that it's amazing to see that. Again, like I said, I, I can't be more grateful for it. That's so, that's so nice. I feel so emotional for you. I mean, having to go through um, the physical abuse and living with somebody that was actually involved with substance abuse that must have been very difficult and i am so happy that you took the decision to leave and you left with your child we don't know what would have happened if you hadn't left because these things happen and when people are like that you you never can tell what they would do that's something that people need to be aware of you said you could tell signs of People going through difficult times in their lives. Are there things that you now know that you didn't know then? Yeah. So first thing is first is I call it occlusiveness or removal of themselves. So they'll remove themselves. They'll make themselves very busy. They won't necessarily respond to not only your messages, but conversations. They'll kind of shut down, so to speak. Sometimes hiding things. Um, very secretive nature, whether it's text messages, items, things of that nature can also be signs that, you know, there might be an issue going on. In my case, he was hiding the, the substance itself. Secret meetings, secret conversations. Again, he would tell me that he was going out to the gas station and I really had no idea why or what, what was needed. And I then now learned later on that that was one of the ways that he was able to take the substance again. And last but not least, again, that, that aggression piece. So I had started to notice that he was becoming a little bit more ag aggressive in just his body language. And it wasn't really 
normal at first in our relationship. Just like getting angry over silly things like the kitchen table, maybe being off center or him not being able to find a piece of paper or something like that. And the amount of anger that would come out over that was a sign too. But again, like I said, I didn't know if it was just how us women sometimes go through our time of the month, if that was something that he was experienced, because I also know that men can have emotions as, as well. Or if it was something more serious and in my gut, it was telling me that it was more serious. But again, like I said, I never really could find out or really get a true answer. And then again, when I did find out after that incident had started, we had this whole conversation. And then like I said, I was very grateful that we were able to have this conversation and, and move forward. And so there were a lot of things I learned about the signs and then again about how to get someone to receive help. And again, what you can do afterwards with a family situation or in our case, a child. And we're still learning. You know, we're still learning. It's still a day by day. Every day is a new day. There might be a new challenge tomorrow. And you just have to, in our case, have the best interest for our child first. And all that other stuff doesn't matter. We will take a break right now. And when we get back, we will continue the next part of this recording. Thank you. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears. So you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy action. Mystery. Friendship. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Sandel Taylor. She is the current Mrs. Jamie Ward and former Mrs. Pennsylvania, Mrs. America. And she's a cosmetologist. She is also involved in art health. And she has also been a victim of abuse. But definitely she's telling us a very good story. So please join us as we continue in this great experience sharing Sindel's story. I mean, you said you are involved in heart health. How did you get involved with that? And what do you do? What's your involvement? So I got involved with the American Heart Association a few, actually, like I said, almost about 15 years ago, because my father suffered a heart attack and stroke that left him paralyzed on the left-hand side in 2005. So I really started getting more involved in not only volunteering for them, but I started to work with what is called the Empowered to Serve program, which teaches simple tips and tricks to become heart healthy. So my main goal is number one, to educate people that they can learn CPR from the touch of a button. You can go on the American Heart Association's website right now and learn hands-only CPR, which means that you're not doing um, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. You can learn that right now. It takes about five minutes for free. It's on their website. If you do that, you can increase somebody's life expectancy of having a heart attack by minimally 33%. So that's amazing to me. 
The other mm-hmm. thing that I like to teach people is that they're simple things. If you start with one thing, whatever that thing is, and I try to get them to choose the easiest thing for them that fits into their life, one thing can truly make a difference in your journey to becoming more heart healthy. So for instance, something I would do is I would have a discussion with you. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your life. Tell me about what you typically do on any given day. And I do this with individuals and we go through their daily life for about a week. I'll be like, okay, tell me what your week's like. And I'll try to find one thing that they can do to change their lifestyle to make it more healthy. The easiest thing to do is drink more water. Most people, especially here in America, are chronically dehydrated. It's actually Mm -hmm. about 85%. And we also have a high obesity rate as well. So those are the first, typically the two areas that I go for. And then once they're ready or committed to doing more, then we go for, you know, two things or three things. The other thing that I recommend is for people to go to their healthcare provider and know their numbers. You want to know your blood pressure. You want to know if your family might have had a risk for a heart attack or disease. You want to be getting a annual checkup. And even if you don't have health insurance, I know here in the U.S., you can give me some more information about the U.K., we do have free health clinics here as well that are for low-income individuals that you can make an appointment and go into. And there's also several health fairs throughout the year that you can get to and get this information. So that's kind of where I start with. And then outside of individually wise, I'm proud to say that I was able to work with the American Heart Association whenever they passed legislation in the United States, in my state, now Pennsylvania in high school, they are required to teach CPR, which is amazing. I think that every country and every school district, every school should be able to teach CPR and they should have the tools to be able to do that. And I think it should be mandatory to learn CPR in high school. It's a life-saving skill. And so I was proud to be a part of that whenever they passed that legislation here in Pennsylvania. Just something simple as writing a letter to my state representative about my personal experience could have made the difference. And that's actually what I did. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend in person like I wanted to, but I was able to talk with them and tell them why this was so important because I sit there and I think, okay, if I saw someone who needed my help, would I have known what to do in high school? And my answer would have been no, but now I do. And I want to be able to help these women and children and men even too, to know that there is something that they can do and that they can save somebody's life. Oh, that's, that's, that's really interesting. You've mentioned so many things that I wanted to touch on. Basically, you know, drinking water, that is one of the most important things that people don't do that often. A lot of people are just so dehydrated, walking like copsies, but they don't even know. I drink up to three, four liters of water a day. Sometimes I drink in the middle of the night. I feel dehydrated because, you know, it's so cold there. And then you have to put on the heating and then the heating saps all the water inside of you. Once my eating comes on, I, I wake up and then I start feeling, I mean, peckish. I need, I need to have some water. So I have a bottle of water next to my bed every day. I think that's so interesting that you mentioned drinking water, that it's, a, it's one of the things that you encourage people to do. And the CPR thing too, 
it's really interesting that you said you got in touch with the authorities to say this should be mandated in schools. I feel the same way because, I mean, you see somebody choking or having a heart attack and if you don't know what to do, that person dies in front of you and you feel, oh, I could have done something. So it's really amazing what you're doing and just keep on doing what you're doing. That's all I can say. Yeah, I really like, yeah, I love that. And it's heartbreaking also to know that in other parts of the country, they don't even have access to clean water in other parts of the world, I meant. So I can understand the challenges that they face for things like that and why they might have a higher risk for heart attack and disease and stroke. And so the challenge when I speak to some people that might not be have that access to clean water or completely, again, healthy food, so to speak. Again, we try to find whatever that one thing is that they can do, whether that's exercise, jumping rope, a mental health when you're writing a journal. I try to find that one thing that we can do. And in the meantime, what else can I do? Can I work with another organization to help provide resources for this these people to get more clean water or what, again, whatever it is. And I try my best because I know what that's like. I know what it's like to feel like you don't have anything. When I left that domestic violence relationship, I was homeless. I had nowhere to go. I was homeless with a, with an infant and I was bouncing around home to home and I had nothing. I left with what I could fit in my car. And at the time, my car was a, a very small sports car and it didn't have a big trunk and I had to have my baby in the backseat and then to top it all off I had to make sure that I could stay safe so I was focused more on getting stuff for my baby than anything else so even though I know it's not exactly the same situation as someone else I can understand and I can try to empathize and relate to them to to the extent of listening and hearing them and again trying to give back what I have and that's why I started the haircut program and did all that because I have that knowledge I have already paid for the knowledge I already have my shears which are you know your scissors I already have like my clippers you know for men's cuts I already have that so it's as simple as giving somebody my skill and my knowledge and my time it really doesn't cost me anything it doesn't really cost me anything to do that so I sit there and think that this is such an easy way to give back, help somebody with something as simple as a haircut, which can change somebody's life. It can allow them to get a a job. It can allow them to feel more confident about themselves. It's a basic hygiene necessity that some, again, some people just can't afford. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that and see life-changing results out of it, I've seen people be able to get a job. I've seen people go in more confident to interviews. I've seen people be able to get housing because they went to their interview for the housing with a fresh haircut. And that to me is amazing because it changed my life getting help whenever I needed it. And now to be able to do that, I just couldn't see myself doing anything else. I suppose that's, um, that's just about you helping your community to get better. And then the community gives back to you because if you get, I mean, I'm imagine somebody going for an interview and uh, you give that person a haircut, they get a job. 
they give back to the community in that when somebody is employed in a store, he gets paid his wages, he takes the wages to the bank, the bank pays taxes to the government, and then government spend that money on infrastructure services like uh, defense and manufacturing. And this is, again, it reinvested in the community. The manufacturing company also pays its taxes to the government. So that is how the circular flow of income is started just by one action. So it's really awesome what you're doing right now. Boosting one person's confidence through a haircut could lead to improvement in the society. So something as basic as giving an haircut just improves the person's confidence and the outlook on life, you know, from being hopeless and and feeling so helpless, feeling miserable. I know when, I mean, when I don't have my hair done properly, I just don't feel like going out. I feel like hiding myself away, you know. So I can imagine what you're doing is so fantastic. And you are also a beauty pageant. Which uh, pageantry are you involved in? Yes. So um, currently my current title, which is about to, I'm about to give that up, so to speak, is I'm representing my heritage, which is um, basically like my ancestry from my dad's side. I'm representing Germany as Mrs. Germany World through the Mrs. World Organization, which is one of the longest and most oldest pageants for married women. Prior oh. to that, I represented my state as Mrs. Pennsylvania America through the Mrs. America Organization in 2018. And they are like sister pageants. So Mrs. America runs Mrs. World and oh. they work like side by side. So I've been with that organization for about five years now not only locally, but also, again, statewide, and now, I guess, nationally with my title for Mrs. Germany. And I just really enjoy the organization. I really enjoy working with my mentors. I'm actually now working with a different state uh, director. Her name is Raquel Riley Thomas, and I work for her with running the District of Columbia, which is a like where Washington, D.C. is here. And we are working together with that that state pageant. And I've just been loving it because you get to meet so many phenomenal women from all across the United States and then all across the world that really inspire you. I've always said when I'm on that stage, I can be standing next to a tax attorney, <laughs> a lawyer, a surgeon, a home, a homeschool teacher, a mom, an advocate, a firefighter. These are some really kick butt chick. And I say that because they're just really phenomenal women. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity that pageantry has allowed me to have a larger voice. I always say it sounds really cheesy, but a sash and a crown is like a big shiny microphone. And it's actually allowed me to connect with so many more people having that crown and sash to do the things that I love doing and to continue to give back and try to really make a change in not only my local community, but my state and then globally as well. It's just been amazing. The people that I've met throughout this journey to echo my voice and my passion for heart, 
heart health and again, just getting involved in the community. It, it's really been amazing. Being, I mean, Mrs. America, Mrs. Walt, Mrs. Jamin, Jamney, and you're representing the District of Columbia. That's, that's quite a wide um, area to cover and meeting all these amazing women. You, you, I mean, you rock. <laughs> yes. So I, yes, I, I did mention that I work for the District of Columbia. Yep. Yeah. That's the state pageant that I work for. Yeah. And then you got it correct. I am representing currently Mrs. Germany uh, World through the Mrs. World organization. It, I still pinch myself every day that <laughs> I was selected. I really do. I, I, if you, if you actually go and watch, um, you can actually see when I was crowned in the state as Mrs. Pennsylvania, I wasn't breathing. I literally, they had to like <laughs> tell me to breathe because I didn't believe it. I really didn't. I still don't. I still like, I look at my sash and crown and I'm like, did I do that? Did I, did I win this? Like, are, are you kidding me? Like it's, it's just been amazing because I never thought someone like myself, someone who I'm not rich, you know, I worked for you are rich. I mean, you've got your health. You've got, oh, yes, I'm rich. I'm rich in that sense. Yeah. But like I met, you know, monetarily wise, I worked four jobs and I still, uh, I work actually now two jobs. I actually cut out, but when I was doing pageantry, I was working four jobs just so that mm -hmm. I could save up enough money to compete. Cause it can be quite costly and I was grateful to have sponsors and people who are willing to help me pay for some of the expenses and again like I said I can't be more grateful because it's just allowed me such an amazing opportunity to discuss the things that are important to not only myself but thousands of other people heart disease is the number one cause of death in the entire world yeah. it's the number one cause of death in the UK I don't know if you knew mm -hmm. that and yeah, in definitely. America so for me if I can help dwindle those numbers down, even if it's by one person, even if I can help one person, then it's, then it's all worth it to me to see the look on my, on my kid's face when they see me out here doing the community, you know, to have their, they're proud of me to see them getting involved in the community because they want to be like mommy. That's amazing to me. That to me shows me that I'm doing my job to, you know, have these young children my son comes with me to a lot of events. He's cleaning. He's saying hello to these veterans. He's saying hello to these <laughs> children. He's sleeping. He's talking to them. He's meeting them. My daughter who's coming and again, showing people saying hello. She draws pictures a lot for people just because she she's a drawer, writing things for oh. people, cards. And to just see them again, getting out there and getting involved with people who are less fortunate than us or again who need that helping hand that's phenomenal to me because that's the values that I want to instill in them that even though you may not have quote-unquote a lot you still have something to give you still have a place for others and we have to help others or, or else we won't succeed there is enough for all of us and if we work together and help each other like you said we're going to basically be increasing that community spread we're going to be helping them to you know get better for themselves then they'll help the next person and it just becomes a ripple of change yeah awesome it's about um, paying it forward you know when you help somebody and then they help somebody in turn and then it goes on and on and that's how the world changes and it becomes a better place you know to live so it's really been amazing talking to you 
for this period, I know it's been crazy. We've been living in lockdown because of the pandemic. What activities are you able to still do within reasonable boundaries to help your community? Absolutely. So very first thing is my kids and I write cards to our local nursing home. It's the easiest thing you can do. So we make handmade cards and we typically make them about once a month and we send them to different nursing homes. And that's something you can do. It's no contact. So we send it and we mail it off. The other thing that we've been able to do is we participated most recently in what we call the candy bomber. So there is a person here in the States who is known as the candy bomber. And it's, it was his hundredth birthday recently. And he would drop off, he would drop off candy at random nursing homes whenever he was younger and drop off candy uh, to help people feel happier. So that's why they call him the candy bomber. Like he would just drop off random candy. So his wish for his birthday was to have candy dropped off to retirement homes and nursing homes. So we participated in that very close to Halloween. So we bagged up a whole bunch of different candy and took it to a local home. And again, my daughter loves drawing. So she sent some drawings with that one. The other thing that we were able to do is I'm still providing free haircuts at my work. So where we work, we offer free haircuts to veterans year round. Unfortunately, with our county, we're not allowed to host events larger than 50 people outside. So there really haven't been any events that I've been able to participate in to give free haircuts, just again, due to the virus, even though we are able to maintain, you know, safety and sanitation with what I do. But we've also been able to host virtual learning seminars for the Empowered to Serve program, the educational piece that I was talking to you about earlier. So Mm -hmm. I host online Zooms, just like the one that we're on today. And I host educational webinars for people who want to come on. And I do that monthly as well. Okay. Uh, for hobbies, our biggest hobby, and again, you might think this is a little bit cheesy, but my family and I go hiking. We try to go at least <laughs> once a week and we call it Camelback Adventures. So Camelback is a backpack that you can put water in basically. And it was the Camelbacks were originally designed for the military. And we have some, of course, from my husband being in the military. And we just started this like hashtag movement on Instagram called hashtag Camelback Adventures. So every week we take this little book bag with water on an adventure, so to speak, and we pick a different place to go and we hike. And it's one way, again, to keep heart healthy. It's our family time. It's our nature time. It's our outdoor time. And most importantly, it's showing you that you can still do something fun and quote unquote travel. It's a great way to social distance because we do wear masks in case there are other people on the trails, but being outdoors right now, especially there's not that many people out. So you're going to see like maybe one or two people that are out right now, especially (laughs) because it's getting colder, but we still love it. And it's one of our things that we do together as a family. We've just been trying to travel to different places, not only locally, but we've gone to Niagara Falls in New York. We went, we've gone to a place that's about four and a half hours away from where I live called the Kanzua Bridge, which is um, (laughs) a very tall bridge. It's about the same height as the Statue of Liberty. And we went there. And now hopefully in a few weeks, we're going to be 
traveling the other uh, the, to the opposite side of the state, closer towards like Philadelphia, if they're not completely locked down to do the, it's always been a dream of mine to run the Rocky Fair. So in a movie called Rocky, I'm sure you've heard of Rocky. I know. I've, I've he seen. runs up, he I've runs seen. up the, the famous Philadelphia steps. And I've been <laughs> to Philadelphia so many times and I've wanted to do this for so long and just run up those stairs <laughs> to the top. And so my husband's like, we, we have to get that done soon even though like I've actually gone out and done it. So that's a, a thing on our list. But we, again, we have to wait to see if we're going to be even allowed to go over there because different counties where I live are unfortunately going, some of them are going back into lockdown. So again, it really just depends on that, but we're trying to maintain safety and social distancing. And like I said, do the things that we can do that we can do from home. And those are just some of the things that we've been doing. Seems so. I mean, your family seems like a fun family. I, when I was younger, my dad used to, you wake up on a Saturday and he just tells us to pack some food, snacks and stuff and drinks and put in a cooler and we just drive all through, you know, that's how I, I discovered a lot of places back home, back in the days. And I think I got my love and passion for adventure and travel from him so unfortunately it's late now but i just still love traveling i understand all these things that you talk about hiking going outdoor walk i mean even if it's for a 15 minutes walk it gives you that cool breeze on your face even though it's cold it i've been out for an hour's walk this morning before coming on this um, call but it just i mean it's just different when you go outdoors if you sit indoors all day, you, you kind of feel tired and just weight down. But going outdoors, just going for a walk, I think, socially, and you, you, say you do actually keep on your mask and you do all this. And it's kind of fascinating. You've been to Niagara Falls. Wow. That's one place I want to go. I spent, the, I think, Christmas of 2016. I was with my dad place called Shady Brook Farm in Pennsylvania. They have like this Christmas farm. So that's where we, we went and it was like a kind of adventure. There were so many world heritage landmarks. There were it's kind of organized and you can just go through from the first day of Christmas you have different places. The Eiffel Towers, Taj Mahal I can't even remember all the things that were there but it was just a fun activity to do there was food but because of covid i think they might be restricting everybody to sitting in the car for now so it's really interesting and i think i will borrow some of your <laughs> ideas now so. yeah i we always are posting um where we're going um after we go we try not to post before just again you know for privacy reasons, but um, Niagara Falls was a surprise. And I, I I love that you said that your dad woke you up and was like, pack some snacks, because that's what we do. So we're like, pack some snacks. <laughs> but actually, Niagara Falls was a surprise. It's somewhere that I had mentioned to my husband that I always wanted to go. I had never been, and he actually took me this, this past August for our anniversary. And I was so surprised because Aww. it was, it was not crowded at all. And again, we were able to socially distance. This was before 
we went on, you know, we had to do all this other crazy stuff. So we still had to wear masks and we still, of course, were safe. And we, you know, of course, again, socially distanced, but we were able to go because my kids were doing virtual school. So I was able to come back home and then we were able to quarantine, so to speak, even though we still wore masks and we weren't forced to quarantine, we still did again, just to be safe. And it was just one of the most amazing experiences. And I'll never forget it because as we were leaving the falls, there were, there was rainbows and I, I'm, I'm such a, a tease ball. Um, I'm just, I think I'm just like a hopeless romantic. And I was like, Hey, look, there's a rainbow. <laughs> and I'm like, let's go see if we can find the end of it. And I'm such like, uh, but the end of it was in Canada. So we couldn't go over there. <laughs> so he's like, we'll have to come back. Um, oh, but yeah. it was, it was really amazing experience. And it was just me and my husband again for our anniversary. And it just, it just made it that much more special that, you know, he had remembered something that I talked about. I couldn't even tell you when I last mentioned it. It had been a while. Mm-hmm. And he made the effort. He woke me up. He's like, babe, we're going somewhere today. I was like, well, where are we going? He's like, I can't tell you that. Just get dressed. <laughs> and I'm like, is it going to be warm or cold? Because I am a reptile. I cannot <laughs> When I, when we hiked this past weekend, I have like six layers of clothes on. Um, I just, I can't do it, but I love to be outside. And so he's like, just, you know, get dressed. He's like, I'll bring you a hoodie if you need it. He didn't tell me where we were going. And I really didn't know until we got a lot closer and I knew we were in New York. And I was like, so either he's going to take me somewhere to New York or we're going to Niagara Falls. <laughs> and when we got, got closer then I could see where we were. And I got so excited. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you brought me here. I got so excited. <laughs> it's one of those moments that you, you remember for the rest of your life. So I hope you do get to go because it's just, it's beautiful and it's even better in person. So amazing. I, I think you, I mean, your husband is a romantic. Yeah, not hopeless. I mean, he's a he's a passionate man, and I, I I like I like his ideas. I like all the things that he's done to you. So, what would you say to other people? What advice would you give to people living in an abusive relationship? So, the first thing I would tell them is that they will be okay, and that they are not alone, and that there is help out there for them. I can understand that they might be afraid or they might be concerned, or they might feel like there's nowhere else to go, but there is. And I would ask them just to take one moment and look in their hometown or their closest city for resources to help them and to trust that if they feel that they need help, that God is going to find that way. Because I know what that feels like. I didn't think that anybody was going to help me. I didn't think that I was going to be able to get my life back on track. I kind of felt stuck. If there's anything that I can tell you is that it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. It might be the toughest thing that you've ever done in your life. But if that is something that you need to do for yourself is to leave if it is that serious that there is help out there for you and there are other people men and women that have been in your situation or similar situation and that we are here to help guide you in whatever way that is possible so if anyone's listening and they need some help they're more than welcome to reach out to me and i will do my best to try to find them some resources in their area and point them in the right direction and again i would just hope that you know, 
that they may keep themselves safe and know that they are loved and know that there are there is help out there. Thank you. I know people sometimes feel like they are stuck when they're in an abusive relationship. I think it's just not enough to feel stuck. There's always help. There's always somebody that could help you. Just decision boils down to you taking the first step of recognizing that this is an abusive relationship, number one. And then number two, making the decision to leave where you can still live. Because some people, unfortunately, lose their lives in the process of being abused. Some people have actually been victims of rape. And there's so many things that go on. We can't even begin to imagine. So I think the first thing to do is just to recognize that this, if the relationship is not right, if it's an abusive, if it's something that you just feel that it's not right, take a decision to leave and seek help. There's always like maybe telephone numbers. There are numbers here. We have not, even if it's 999, call 999. Or if it's 111, I don't know, with you in US, is it 999 you call? You know help? what? We have, it's, I, I think it depends on your state um, oh, and right. exactly what kind of help that you're looking for. Right. So if it's for domestic violence and you're trying to seek help for that, and, and it's in Pennsylvania, there are several different numbers that you can call. So I would just suggest, you know, to the state is, you know, for each state, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And that is 1-800-799-7233 or 1-800-799-SAFE. And then there's a couple different ones for like the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and stuff like that. So there are several that are state and national wide. So I always recommend to do the local help first, unless you, you know, you feel more comfortable calling a national hotline because that local help is going to be able to get to you faster. They're going to be able to connect you with somebody that is like right in your town. National help also can do that. There, it just sometimes they have to go to the state first and then get the person and then go from there, which they will definitely get you the help. But sometimes I recommend for people to look out for their local because that might be give them the space, so to speak. There might be a local shelter that they can immediately go to, um, rather than getting a twenty-minute phone call to get to that shelter, you know, so to speak. So there's always help. Both hotlines are good. But I always recommend for people to look in their state to see if there is something that's right there that they can, if they are making that decision, that they can pick up and go and that they have a safe place to go to. Thank you. Fantastic. Here we have a central number, which is 999. And then once you call the number, they ask if you want the police or an ambulance or the fire service, and they then divert you to whichever line. So here it's just 999 for emergencies. And I think 111 is being included for people who are having heart attacks. If you're having a heart attack, you call 111 and somebody will be on the line to talk to you. And even with this COVID, there's been a helpline that's been included on 111. So anybody listening, if you, if you feel you're not safe, just do something. Just call, just pick up your yes. phone. We do, we, do have an, we do have an emergency line here as well, too, and that's 911. 
911 is our emergency line. So you can call 911, but if they want to sp- speak to that specific hotline person, I love that you you guys have that too. Thank you. Do you have a last word for the veteran spouses or other charities that you work with? Definitely any military spouse, for sure, I commend you, whether it's a man or a woman or, again, a partner. We have a lot to deal with as well on the home front. And please just continue to take care of our amazing soldiers. And for the organizations that I work with, such as, again, an officer and a general woman with Raquel Riley Thomas and the Mrs. America organization and Mrs. World organization. And I'm just so grateful and honored um, to be a part of the organization. And for everyone listening, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your days to hear my story and hear us chit chat about um, what it's like to be a military spouse, what it's like to go through domestic violence and why heart health is so important. And if I have to end on one note, I'm going to remind you guys that learning CPR is as simple as touching the button. Please go to the American Heart Association's website and learn hands-only CPR and you can save a life. Please, 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 if you hear anything today, that's what I want you to hear. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing. And again, thank (laughs) you so much. You're such an amazing person to talk to. You just have an amazing voice. And I, I can't wait to hopefully chat with you again. And, you know, thank you again so much for your oh. time. Oh, thank you so much, Sindel. I give you Sindel Taylor again. It's been an amazing time on this podcast today. Thank you so much for coming. To- thank you. A big thank you to all our listeners who have been sending us messages through the message link. I would like to thank everyone who has listened in so far and contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much. We couldn't have done anything without you. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Keep downloading and keep liking. Thank you again.